Welcome to the Northbound Wealth Podcast. All opinions expressed by me, my co-hosts, or my guests are solely our own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Northbound Wealth Management, LLC. This podcast is for informational and educational purposes only and should not be relied upon for any investment, tax, or legal advice, or as a solicitation to offer or buy any securities. Clients of Northbound Wealth Management, LLC may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Hey, this is Brent Foster, CEO and founder of Northbound Wealth Management, and I just want to say thank you. Uh, I often think about how blessed I am to work with such wonderful clients as yourself, and I wanted to reach out on this podcast to you just to say thank you. Thank you for allowing me to work with you and be a part of your financial journey. My focus is to help my clients pursue the financial future they've always envisioned on their path to financial freedom. And I'm honored to work with you and your family on those same goals. So please know I'm always available to answer any questions you may have about your situation. Thank you so much. And I look forward to talking with you soon. Hello, this is Brent Foster, your founder and CEO of Northbound Wealth Management. And this is Weekly Market Insights. This is the 25th week of the Northbound Wealth Management Podcast. And I'm excited to say it is also the last of 2022. The next podcast release will be in 2023 in the new year. And I'm super excited about that. And uh, we'll hit it hard in the new year. So check this out. Hawkish comments by the Fed and weak economic data highlighted investors' recession concerns and sent stocks lower last week. So the Fed talk keeps stocks cold. So the market's kind of cooled off by that. The Dow Jones Industrial Average lost 1.66%, while the S&P 500 retreated 2.08%. The NASDAQ Composite Index declined 2.72% for the week. And the MSCI EFA Index, which tracks developed overseas stock markets, slipped 0.88%. So what does that mean for the Dow? Well, the Dow closed at 32,920 last week. Year to date, that's down 9.41%. The NASDAQ closed at 10,705. That's down 31.57% for the year. MSCI EFA closed at 1,961. That's down 16.03% for the year. The S&P 500 closed at 3,852. That's down 19.17% for the year. And then the 10-year treasury note closed at 3.48. That's down, oh, uh, 0.09% for the week. And that's up, uh, up for the year of 1.96%. So stocks began the week on a positive note supported by a cooler than expected CPI or consumer price index report. Stocks reversed direction midweek, however, following the FOMC meeting in which uh, another 50 basis point rate hike was announced. The half point increase was widely anticipated, but the increase in the terminal rate, uh, the point at which the Fed stops raising rates, rattled investors. Continued hawkishness by Fed Chair Powell at the post-meeting press conference added to investors' anxiety. The potential for higher rates for longer, along with disappointing economic data, particularly a sharp decline in retail sales, amplified fears of a recession and sent stocks lower for the remainder of the week. So inflation in the Fed, the Release of November CPI showed inflation cooling for the second consecutive month as prices rose just 0.1% month over month and 7.1% from a year ago. Both were better than expected. 
The FOMC ended its last meeting of 2022 by raising interest rates another 50 basis points and signaling that it would likely continue to hike rates into the new year. At a subsequent press conference, Fed Chair Powell commented that the, the next rate increase would be a quarter percentage point. Most FOMC members uh, appear to support raising the terminal rate, the point at which hikes end, to above 5%, up from its September projection of 4.6%. So this week, key economic data, Tuesday, housing starts, Wednesday, consumer confidence, existing home sales, Thursday, jobless claims, GDP, and the index of leading economic indicators, Friday, new home sales, durable goods orders, and consumer sentiment. This week, notable companies reporting earnings. Tuesday would be FedEx, Nike, then General Mills. Wednesday, Micron Technology. So get this, 2023 S&P year-end price targets. The average of 17 of the largest strategists out there say that the S&P 500 should finish 2023 at 4,000. And it's interesting because the day they released this, which was Wednesday, the S&P was trading at 4,000. And today it's well below that. It's at the mid 3,800 levels. So it's already dropped uh, a couple hundred points since then. But um, for those of you looking out at next year, you're looking at an S&P 500 that has to go down before it goes back up. And most of the strategists, which 17 of them, of the largest, they oftentimes are wrong. They usually get it wrong. It's very interesting how mid-year they'll adjust their estimates and expectations for what the year does. So you have to take it with a grain of salt. But I will tell you, it is very interesting that they're basically saying that 2023 is going to be a recession year, that it's going to be uh, only going, uh, only topping out at about 4,000 on the S&P. And we're already trading at that today. So they don't expect anything to happen between now and then, except down. Um, that's really a pessimistic view. And also, um, if if you get too much of a herd mentality on the pessimistic view, you know, it's interesting. The equity markets can sniff that out. And um, actually, if somebody, if you're really looking at this, there could be a bottom between now and March and by the end of March. And if you look at a bottom would be potentially a really good buying point if you are loading up on, if you have cash or if you're loading up on um short-term bonds, it might, and you get say overweight there, you might have an opportunity to buy risk assets at that point. But um, again, this is not specific individualized uh, investment advice for, for the individual listening to this. It's just something to, to consider when you have strategists looking at 4,000 um, and the S&P uh, is trading at that for the price target for 2023. Uh, and that data, when I took that snapshot, it was on CNBC uh, on Wednesday. Is it time for a change? This is the end of the year and the beginning of a new year. Are you happy with your current financial professional? Have they met with you to discuss how recent market fluctuations could affect your financial plans? When was the last time the two of you sat down to really discuss goals? It's imperative to revisit financial plans often to make sure that they're in line with the changes in the market, your life, your situation, and your goals. If you feel like your current plan may be out of date, you're not alone. Maybe it's time for a change. I work with a select group of clients with whom I've built trusted personal relationships. 
My commitment to their financial well-being is strong. They know I'll be there when they have questions or concerns. They know that I'm available, knowledgeable, and proactive. In today's economy, a good financial professional should do more than merely check up on a client every now and then. You need someone who will actively follow your investments, someone who listens when you tell your story, and someone who provides leadership at the right time. If you feel your portfolio could use a little more care and attention, please reach out. I hope to hear from you soon. You can reach us at 317-399-1107. Again, 317-399-1107. So the Santa Claus rally is over. At least that's what I think. So do a lot of other traders out there and technical analysts and technicians. Um, There was definitely signs of weakening and um, mainly triggered by the Fed and what they're going to do with interest rates as far as keeping uh, rates on going up, actually, and then potentially the speculation as to when they might pause or pivot. Um, I actually think the Fed for next year is going to keep rates up. And, uh, and if anything, they'll pause and they'll wait for uh, a lot of the uh, damage that they've done to catch up with everybody else, and particularly the stock market. So the, the economic reports in November, they showed a drop in retail sales and manufacturing, fears of weakening the economy, and then falling bond yields are also hinting at recession in the coming year, which is going to be most likely between January and March. We'll likely see the lows is my opinion. I I think the S&P 500 has a track record or a pattern of of hitting lows in March. Like for example, in in 2009, we finally saw the lows of the great financial crisis, the great recession. Uh, In 2020, we saw um, the pandemic lows was in March. Uh, And if we jump back, I do believe uh, back in 2001, the dot-com bubble, that that low was put in March as well. So I don't know if, if history is any indication, we might see a low here again in the upcoming March that we've got. Um, and so portfolio asset allocations are really important and understanding um, where the markets are heading is, is also important so you can make decisions appropriately. And um, a lot of my clients uh, and, and others have noticed uh, how, how, much the uh, three month, the uh, six, nine month uh, T-bills and one year T-bills are paying and and they're attractive given historical levels, the two year as well. So I'm, we're looking at the treasury market and short duration bonds to hide out uh, and also owning quality names in companies that make money. Oh, that's, uh, that's the game right now. So um that's that's generally the the asset allocation that we're looking at. Generally, uh, we're also looking at the bond market, but we're being very cautious as interest rates are probably going to go up some more. And um, so we'll see. It all it all is dependent on the Fed. So we're focused on that. Um, the S and P five hundred and the Nasdaq both failed, um, breaking out above the two hundred day moving averages, um, and now they oscillate between the the fifty day moving average above and below. So uh, the NASDAQ definitely being weaker or the Qs associated to the NASDAQ, if you if you think of it that way, 
the triple Q ETF um, is trading beneath its 50 day moving average. So um, there's relative weakness there in technology stocks. Um, a lot of sectors are red for the year. It's just been a, a, a very rough year in the stock market and one of the worst years in all of history for the bond market. So no matter what asset class you're looking at, there is very, there's, there's very little to celebrate in 2022 and it'll, it'll definitely go down in the books as one of the toughest, uh, investment environments we've had in a very long time. Um, since the great financial crisis, I think, um, it's once every 10 years or so, this type of thing happens. We all will navigate it. We'll survive it. Uh, and we'll emerge even better and stronger with even better portfolios and, uh, a deeper level understanding of how equity markets work and, and also, um, the consequences of, uh, such loose, uh, fiscal and monetary policy and quantitative easing that happened, uh, during the pandemic. It, it was just completely, um, unheard of to see that type of QE happen in that short amount of time. And it causes asset bubbles and, uh, and unfortunately, reversions to the mean, we, we have to, the Fed, Powell, uh, Fed Chair Powell is doing the right thing by, by squashing inflation. Inflation is a consequence of it. Then raising rates into that is one of the levers that they have to use to slow down economic activity. And the repricing across the board in the economy has to happen. And that does impact the stock market as, as the consumer uh, feels it at home and during the holidays and stuff like that. So uh, we're not out of the woods yet on this one. Uh, the next conversation is going to be how much debt we've got. Um, today, I think uh, I saw a data point that the U.S. to GDP is, uh, is ratio is at 107%. I think Japan is at like 237%, but it, for a developed nation, I mean, we've just got so much debt out there. It's, it's incredible. And then maybe even today, uh, they're trying to buy the, I think Chuck Schumer was announcing trying to buy the end of the year to pass the infrastructure package with another $1.7 trillion in spend and debt basically financed. And it's just, um, when's it going to end? When are we going to have, uh, fiscal conservatism come back, balanced budget amendments? When are we going to get our stuff together to stop this just blank check, you know, behavior going on? It, just, it cannot go on forever. That's the thing. And a lot of people need to understand that uh, we're basically leveraging our, our grand, grandchildren's future, especially mine, um, who aren't even born yet. But gosh, it's, it's going to come down the pike and we're going to have to pay the piper at some point. Um, and I just don't see the political will to get that done or cultural will for that matter. Um, so it's like accountability is non-existent if that's fair to say. I mean, maybe it is, but someone share with me uh, some perspective on that. I don't see it. Uh, just look at the debt clock. Go Google that if you don't know what I'm talking about. One of the podcasts I did talk about that. Um, so yeah, I think I just went off on a tangent there. Um, let's review. So 11 sectors uh, in equities, 11 stock sectors are in the red. Um, some of the biggest Losers are like communication services, tech, uh, defensive sectors like utilities and healthcare held up a little better along the way with energy. Um, so, you know, we're looking at sector leadership by utilities, healthcare and consumer staples, 
showed that the year, you know, this year in rally has been on weak technical footing. So has relative weakness in energy due to falling energy prices and economically sensitive consumer discretionary stocks, which were the two months, uh, two of the month's weakest sectors. That's of December. So um, just pulling up the uh, Dow Jones Industrial Average, trading right at near the 200-day moving average. There was a bit of a breakout there above the 50-day. So that's positive. The Dow has been kind of a, a little more of a brighter spot uh, as far as the three major industries. But remember, the Dow is only 30 of the largest companies. That's it. Um, it's not like a broader representation of more of the of what people should be tracking. Those of us in the professional world are following the S&P 500 or the um, SPX is what we, we reference it as a ticker symbol. So it's trading <coughs> below the 50-day moving average on the underside. So there's overhead resistance with the 50-day being above where it's currently trading and then also the 200-day average well above that. So we've got quite a ways to reverse this trend pattern that's happened of the bear market. Uh, the, the NASDAQ or the Qs, if I look at its trading, it's trading below the 50-day and below the 200 days. So, you know, uh, the best place to hide out in, obviously people are going to value stocks in the Dow and then they're going to short duration bonds and then uh, the S&P 500 and the Qs being last. So uh, it's interesting to see how the market is, is dissecting what's going on. I think small cap value is actually doing okay as well. Um, so that's gonna be an interesting space to watch basically the value side of the ledger. And um, my personal opinion is it's really difficult to trade between value and growth um, consistently and execute well on that. It's best to probably just uh, own both, maybe maybe overweight some here, overweight some there, if you have an idea as to which way technical trends are gonna happen. Um, but that's where you get a, you can get a little bit of alpha if you time that right, if you make those tactical trades. And tactical trades, again, are within one year. Um, strategic trades are longer than that. Um, and those go way out to 20 years, 15, 20 years. Hello, this is Brent Foster, founder and CEO of Northbound Wealth Management. I would like to invite you all to join me for the comprehensive review of the market activity in 2022 and a look at what may happen in 2023. It's called the 2023 State of the Markets Presentation. And what we do is examine year-end results, analyze key economic indicators, uh, identify critical headwinds and tailwinds, discuss targeted forecasts, and examine the impact of Fed policy. I'm currently working on this pre presentation right now. So what I'd like to do is if you're interested in hearing that presentation, uh, please send me an email uh, at info at northboundwealth.com. Again, that email is info at northboundwealth.com. Just send me an email requesting that you'd like to be a part of that presentation or at least listen to it. I look forward to hearing your feedback, comments, and questions as it relates to that presentation, which will be released in the middle of January. I'd just like to take this moment to read what JP Morgan's Global Research says. This is a uh, uh, a note written by Marco Kalanovic and Hussein Malik. Uh, and Marco, if you don't know who he is, he's the chief global market strategist, global co-head of research at JP Morgan. And uh, Hussein is the global co-head of research 
And here's what they had to say as far as uh, their forward to clients. And those clients are us, investment firms, institutional firms. And here's what they said. In this report, we present the global 2023 year ahead outlook from the JP Morgan Research Department. We also provide summaries and links to individual year ahead reports that our department produced for every asset class sector and region. In total, 95 reports published over the few past years. As we approach 2023, we see a growing recession risk. In fact, our view is that uh, is that market and economic weakness may occur in 2023 as a result of central bank over-tightening with Europe first and the U.S. to follow later next year. Additionally, we think that central banks are likely due to in likely to induce market turmoil and subsequently be forced to reverse their course. We expect that the lows we've seen this year in equity markets will likely be retested in the S&P 500 early next year. And we see an ongoing trend of pullback in risk assets and a rise in allocation to bonds. Our view is that central banks will likely signal interest rate cuts sometime next year, which will result in a sustained recovery of asset prices by the end of 2023 and subsequently the economy. Domestic market monetary policy next year will likely monitor the impact of financial tightening and the evaluation, the evolution of the labor market and its implications on the near to medium term inflation outlook. However, for that pivot to take place, we will first need to see some combination of economic deterioration, an increase in unemployment, market volatility, decline in levels of risky assets, and decline in inflation. All of these are likely to cause or coincide with downside risk in the near term, with the continued low positioning and risk assets potentially acting as a mitigating factor. Then at some point in the second half of 2023, markets will likely turn to their focus towards the better economic prospects and corporate fundamentals later in 2024 and trade at levels higher than now. As you navigate increasingly complex, mar complex markets, JP Morgan Global Research is looking forward to continuing our partnership, providing investment insights and ideas in 2023 and beyond. On behalf of JP Morgan Global Research, we wish you a happy, healthy, and prosperous year ahead. Sincerely, Marco Kalanovic and Hussein Malik. So um, it's a 58-page global outlook. I'll be dissecting and reading that over the coming weeks, as well as other uh, 2023 market outlooks that are all extensive. Um, it takes weeks to read all of these and understand what all the some of the largest institutions in the world are doing uh, as far as trading and investing and portfolio positioning. So I will report back to you in my state of the markets in 2023 on some of those findings as well. And until then, have a Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and uh, we'll talk to you next year. You might be asking yourself, is it time for a 401k review? As one year ends and another begins, you naturally think about the state of your business. What is working well and what could improve in the future? When was the last time you thought about the state of your company's 401k? Make no mistake, 401k plans need yearly reviews. A good 401k plan review evaluates four factors to gauge a plan's effectiveness. Number one, your investments. 
How are the investments performing? Should the lineup be altered? Might some employees ask you to find investments with lower fees? Might others want a wider range of investment choices? Number two, compliance. Enrollment. Employer matches, distributions, loans. Are they all proceeding according to the rules of the 401k plans? If the plan is non-compliant in any of these areas, your company could be at risk for financial penalties and lawsuits, and the plan could lose its tax-favored status. It's good to remind employees that distributions from 401k plans are taxed as ordinary income and, if taken before the age of 59 and a half, may be subject to a 10% federal income tax penalty. Once you reach age 72, you may be asked to take required minimum distributions. Number three, participation. How many of your workers use the plan? If your answer is not nearly enough, there are ways to encourage greater participation. You need a broad plan participation from lower earning employees to meet non-discrimination tests. And then number four, deferrals. What is the average deferral rate among plan participants? Is it higher for the highest earning employees? While this tendency is common, you want all your plan participants to contribute to their accounts at a decent level. The best way that you can make sure your plan is compliant and up to date is get a regular 401k review. Please call or email me to schedule a time to review your plan at 317-399-1107. That's 317-399-1107. Now, if you are an employee and have a 401k plan, the same goes for you as well. It's always good to review your 401k plans at least once a year to make sure that you're on track for your own unique and specific retirement goals. Again, you can reach us if you'd like to talk about your 401k at 317-399-1107. Again, that's 317-399-1107.